Welcome to the Road to Blake Street. Banter. James, how are you? I'm doing good. Fabulous Monday. How are you doing? I'm good. How much fun did you enjoy the Futures game? It was fun. Zach Veen had two hits, right? Yep. Yeah, and he stole two bases, so that was fun. I wish yeah. Tovar was there. Yeah, I saw he was at L.A., in L.A. He was participating in L.A., but not playing. Are we worried about his injury at all? No, I'm not. Why not? It's been a month. I mean, sure, it sucks, but <laughs> I'm not worried about it. It's not like he's injury-prone or anything. Well, do you think he's there a little bit more cautious with Tovar? Well, yeah, I think they're going to be a little more cautious, cautious with just about any, well, especially top prospects. So, yeah. So, yes. So, you talked yourself into yes, I think they're. Yeah, <laughs> definitely did. Definitely did. You, you got around there. Mm -hmm. I have this theory. You tell me I'm an idiot. All of you can tell me I'm an idiot because I am. I have this theory that he's actually healthy, but they're just keeping him on the IL just a little bit longer. Um, so once they trade Jose Iglesias, they're just going to call up Tovar to the major leagues, and he's just going to be our starting shortstop once August 4th hits. That's ridiculous, and I'll tell you why, because that's way too smart for the Rockies organization. You're playing, you're playing 40 chess. They're playing checkers, buddy. Yeah, <laughs> I don't. I don't have anything to it. I like it makes sense, right? I mean, it does. Um, I probably wouldn't do that if I was them, but I wouldn't either. Yeah, so I think your your theory is a long shot, but so yes or no is Tovar the opening day shortstop starter in twenty twenty three for the Colorado Rockies? No. Whoa, and so is Iglesias. Wait, he's on a one year deal. It's going to be Iglesias or another vet. Yeah, they're going to resign Iglesias to two years like they did Crone. Crone ask, dude, what if they extended Jose Iglesias right now? What if they did that? Well, he's hitting 300. It's not like I'm unhappy with what Iglesias is doing. And his glove isn't terrible. It's no, he's a, he's a competent shortstop, and he's hitting 300, so... I, I really want to have any qualms with it. He's seems like a great guy to have around the clubhouse and around the team in general. So, so we're roads to Blake street right now. So let's talk minor leagues. They had the all-star break. They had four days off. Zach Veen has everybody has seen Zach Veen officially and it's fantastic, but then the minor league affiliates played. So last Sunday, and then they had three games this week, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and let's go around. Let's go around the table. And Albuquerque Isotopes dropped one of two. Not a good showing. Um, lost eight to 12, lost five to 10, and then won 12 to three. But are you the Nationals? If I propose you this, you're the GM of the Nationals right now. I propose this to you. Went to Bernard for Juan Soto straight up. Yes or no? I think that's an obvious yes. Right? It has to be. But no, so seriously, if they do trade anybody and Winston Bernard has a case to be traded to go be an outfielder on a big league club, I'm just saying that out loud, I think his, his numbers this year are outrageous. I'm just going to give you a slash real quick. 330, 374, 616. That's an OPS of 990. He's 10 points away from 1,000, a, a one OPS, which is absolutely insane. As Winton guys, are we upset if he does get traded at all anywhere? Are we upset? No, I would be extremely happy. And in fact, I would say that I don't know what his contract looks like, but it seems like it's kind of year to year. If I was Winton, I would look for an opportunity to go play somewhere else. If I was him, I would I would play for a team that that obviously has a hole in the outfield. He's probably not going to get with any teams that are competing. I mean, he's not going to be with a team that's competing with the Rockies anyway. But you get my point. I would even flirt with going and playing overseas. Uh, he's already done that once. Maybe seems like a guy that, that 
that could thrive in that environment. So if I was him, I would, I would, I would probably move on from, from the Rockies as soon as I could. Yeah. I mean, he's done very, very well for the Rockies in these two seasons he's been with those. Um, but I think he's at, yeah, you're at that point right now, right? You're 31 and you're raking and there's no space. You have all these outfielders in front of you. Um, just a crazy stat. I'm looking at it right now. In 295, 294 at-bats, Juman struck out only 48 times. This was from, thank you to the Isotopes media team. Where is it? Oh, where is it? Oh, this is bad radio. Bernard's Grand Slam last night was Albuquerque's eighth of the season, one shy. Bernard is 12 for 28 with two doubles, a triple, three homers, eight RBIs in his last six games. Tonight, he tallied his team-leading 30th multi-hit game of the campaign. It was the 10th he had three or more knocks. This was the fourth time in 2012 that Bernard has homered and stolen bases in us. Insane. I don't care if it is in Albuquerque. I don't care if it's in the Pacific Coast League. Doing that at any level is absolutely nuts. Yeah, he's getting it done. He's just <laughs> flat out getting it done, and nobody seems to really care, and it's it's – I know Winton's not upset because that's not really who he is, but I'm I'm upset for him. Yeah, that's I mean when we had him on last year, that was that was the idea. We will be up, be upset for you, man. I it's incredible. Montero's doing fantastic things out of Triple A too. Twenty seven games with a single uh, on base streak is at twenty seven games now in Triple A. Um, so just some cool things happening down in the offense in Albuquerque. Jordan Sheffield starting to throw again. And Carl Kaufman is going to be on the bump Tuesday, tomorrow, tonight. I don't know when you guys are all listening to this. So, friend of the pod, Carl Kaufman is also going to be doing things. Coco Montez homeward last night, too. So, Albuquerque went one and two against the Sugarland Space Cowboys, which I still, to this day, despise that name. I do not like that re- rebrand, but that's just me being uh, an old man, curmudgeon. Uh, Shara's getting healthy. He's going to be back on the 40-man. I'm just... This trade deadline with these draft picks, it's going to be interesting to see how these rosters get kind of developed. I don't know. It's just like I want the Rockies to trade all these guys so we can see some of our some of our friends of the pod get called up. But how often do you see? I mean, minor leaders getting dealt. I understand that they're part of packages for big league moves, but Rockies don't make any moves. So like, I'm not, I'm not personally holding my breath that anybody's getting traded. Yeah. And that's the thing. It's, I put it out there. The over under set at 0.75 on a trade being made, which I thought was funny. And I thought that I should have got more laughs, but I guess I'm not as funny as I thought I am. <laughs> um, <laughs> but everybody, there was a, I think it was like 55%, 60% said no moves. But I think there's too many assets and too many people, too many teams in the running that there won't be any trades. If anything, we're going to be adding more minor leaguers rather yeah. than, than getting rid of them. Right. Yeah, I mean, it's all about building up the, the system. I mean, they did designate like four guys, I think, yesterday for assignment, minor leaguers, a pitcher, and that Kyle Holder guy from the shortstop, the number one overall pick for the Yankees last a few years ago. They dropped him. Anyway, um, it's just nice. Oh, last question about, I guess, Juan Soto. Do you accept this if you're the Nationals? Real real life. Zach Veen, Drew Romo. Um, let's throw in like a like a Chris McMahon, Hectolarius Olivares, and – Tony Losey. I think that's I think that's fair. I think that that's the best package the Rockies could put together. But I think where scouts are on minor league systems, you know, the Rockies are pretty low on the on the totem pole. So I think that they would be able to get better packages somewhere else. But that is definitely the best package we could do. Would you be mad about that? As a Rockies fan, um, I don't think I'd be mad, but I would be. It wouldn't make any sense to me. 
for sure. I wouldn't be mad. I'd be glad that they tried to that they're trying to do something, and it would be fun to watch. To watch Juan, but ultimately, I think it's a bad move. That's kind of where I laid on it. Like, if you're going to give up all these prospects for Juan Soto, like that's cool and all, but you're giving up three, four average to above average guys like down the road. I don't know. It's well, just it's like it's the, gonna be fun to watch. It's like the Chris Bryant deal. Like people were really pissed about it. Um I really wasn't, but at the same time, like we're not winning any more games, but Bryant is fun to watch and he hits. But at the end of the day, it doesn't really make a difference, right? So I don't think acquiring Juan Soto makes a difference for our tra- our uh, trajectory towards being a good playoff team. And that's kind of where, I, yeah, I we haven't agreed a lot this weekend, and I think I do agree with you on that right there. It's, it's it would be fantastic. We have Juan motherfucking Soto, but what does that really do for this team going forward? Because it's going to be a money sucker. It's going to be all this, all that, and everything involved with it, but... Well, you turn into the Angels overnight, right? Yeah, and nobody <laughs> wants to be an Angel. No. You don't Imagine want being a fan of the Angels. It'd be terrible. Spending all that money and getting absolutely nothing. Right. Oh, nuts. All right, let's go to Hartford. Let's go East. Hartford Yard Goats had one game, rained out. They are 2-0 and in these this weekend. Um, just the Hartford goats are just going to Hartford go. They won six to five and won 10 to six. Friend of the pod, Noah Davis had a pretty good outing on Friday. But I want to ask you this is, and we'll get Mike to look at the stats. Is Grant Levine the best thing that happened to Michael Tolia? Yeah. And getting called up might be the best thing that happened to Grant because they're both just, they're both raking. Um, Tolia hit a grand slam. He had a multi home run game, I believe. So, uh, yeah, Tolia is looking, looking super dangerous, but Levine is, is right behind him pushing. So you got to think at least consciously or subconsciously the competition is, is getting the best out of Tolia right now. Yeah. And so I don't, maybe this is a before and after, but what you're saying is exactly right. So I looked up. Levine's been with the squad since July 6th. So I'm looking at the stats from July 6th to July 24th for for both Levine and Tolia. In that time, Tolia has homered five home home runs, 12 RBIs. Um, Struck out 14 times um, in 54 plate appearances. That's almost almost a quarter. A little over 28, 29%. I'm going to say around 30%. Quick math in my head. Maybe Mike can check that while I go through this. But Tolia's, those are Tolia's numbers. Grant Levine's three homers, eight RBIs. Grant Levine's OPS is 971. And then Michael Tolia's OPS is 987. Yeah, they're, it's going to be fun to watch those two. I think Tolia read my article, got pissed, decided he's going to go hit some bombs. I mean, anytime we get to make it about ourselves, we have to. So that's definitely <laughs> true. <laughs> um, oh, this is kind of crazy. Oh no, no, never mind. I read that wrong. I what what what's the what's the cliche saying? Competition brews excellence or makes the heart grow fonder. As you have to risk it to get the cheese. Um <laughs> all the cliches, right? But competition makes the water rise to its level, cream to the top, whatever you want to throw in there. Give us your best cliches while you're listening. But Grant Levine and Tolia fighting right now and showing that they can actually produce in the same lineup because each of them are kind of going back and forth. DH for space. Levy, uh, Tolia's been out outfield a little bit more. It's just that worked out better than I thought for Michael Tolia. Yeah, and there's space for both of them to perform and do well. So it's not this dichotomous one versus the other. I mean, if they're both doing well, that's just nothing but but good vibes and good things for Rockies fans because there there is space for both of them. Yeah, for sure. It's and that that whole squad is cool. Sobel's breaking still. Also breaking slow him down. Aaron Shuck hit another double on his first day. Uh, Brinson Doyle 
be an athlete, be a number four in the SC top 10 this past week. And before that, also, right, Kyle Dottris was on the top 10 of Sports Center. So if you are in Hartford in the Northeast area, you're able to go to games. You're so, so freaking lucky. Definitely jealous. And we got to talk about the Armbard. PJ Pouillon got the W. Stephen Jones got the save. But I want to over under PJ Pouillon. I know I'm saying that wrong, man. I'm sorry, PJ. Over under ERA 2.5. Under. 2.21. Over under for Stephen Jones 2.5. Under. Over 282. Mm. Over under 2.5 for Gavin Hollowell. Under. Over 3.67. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> but we got three in into the barn arms just doing work out there. Riley Pint had a nice zero run outing, zero walk outing, which is super funny. Uh good for Pint. Uh so again, Hartford Yard Goats. I think they win the East. So whenever that playoff happens, I'm excited for that. All right, you want to yeah. go? Go ahead. Riley got a win, and he hasn't given up a run in a couple innings, which is um, something he needs to keep going forward. His ERA is over five, five point oh two. Man, you want to root for him so bad, yeah. And then when he struggles, it's 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 tough. It's tough as a fan to see it. I can't imagine the roller coaster that he goes through, which obviously you know led to his first retirement but you just want him to do well man yeah you 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 root for those guys you want them to do well and it's just his command if he can hone in the locks his stuff is still freaking nasty like it's insane what he can do but he just can't control it right now but yeah average average is two point uh or point two two six i mean that's gonna get it done yeah just gotta gotta rein it in just gotta rein it in Yep. Uh, all right, let's go northeast to Spokane. They actually got three games in. They were playing the Vancouver Canadians. They revealed a new mascot. I don't know if you were able to see it, but they have a plane as a mascot now. A plane? To, a plane to honor the the Fly Together initiative that they have. They have a collaboration with the military base up there. Uh, so they released the mascot to do that to join um uh, i was gonna say i was gonna thing. say that's super that's super lame and then you mentioned the connection to the military and it's like oh yeah probably a good call pretty anti-american of you to say that <laughs> nothing okay <laughs> uh but they dropped two of three uh two seven one eleven to two and lost four to five um, a few decent outings from uh, Mike Ruff. Uh, Mason Green is still transitioning to the higher A. A competition. He didn't do so hot on his outing. Um, but Mike Ruff, he's been a nice, pleasant surprise every once in a while. He went six innings, six strikeouts. But, I mean, I want to talk about Julio Carreras. Do you know who Julio is? Do you know Julio? Well, of course I do because we do this for fun. You were gonna say living. <laughs> I would if we made any money, but we with all these advertisements coming in, if you want to advertise us, we are still listening. Our DMs are open. Um, but Julio Carreras leads the whatever league they're in, the Northwest League, in doubles. Julio Carreras leads the league in doubles. Do you know how many doubles he has? A lot of doubles. That's that's a very astute observation. I'm gonna over, say okay. Hey, over wait, wait, wait. under. I'm gonna say over under okay. twenty eight. Over thirty. Higher. Oh, let's do it higher. He's got higher than thirty. Yeah. Thirty three. Lower. Thirty two. Lower. Thirty one. <laughs> <laughs> Terrible radio again. But yeah, thirty one doubles and three hundred fourteen at bats. So ten percent of the time that he's up to bat, he's in the double. Yeah, that's really. That's really good. 30% of his hits are doubles. That's that's like Todd Helton double machine. Yeah. And he has 10 dingers on the year. I love it. Amador, bottom sandwich, Ezekiel Tovar, top the sandwich. Julio Crayes is the meat. 
you got to keep an eye on Julio Frias. The shortstop, probably going to be third baseman as he keeps moving up. But I think um, he might be one of my new favorite guys just to check the box scores about. Yeah. And, I mean, Colin Simpson, the backflipping catcher utility man, he went three for five on his birthday. He had a dong. There's a lot of birthdays with a lot of dongs. Birthday dongs. Birthday dongs are the best kind of dongs. Mateo Gill had a birthday yesterday. He went yard up in Spokane. So I think every day should be everybody's birthday. Yeah, I'm down. Like, is that a bad is there a petition for that? Or uh, I think we can write it in. I'm sure President Biden's not doing anything where you can just allow that. Is that who we would contact for that? Yep. Make, make birthdays every day? Yep. President, president, the pres. Mm, yep. Yeah. Okay. So that's our new petition. So we're going to add Winston Bernard needs to be on a major league team. And then every day needs to be a birthday for everybody. Okay. Heard it here first. Every day is your birthday. Treat it like it. Uh, this is the content you want, people. <laughs> Fresno Grizzlies continue to own the Stockton ports. They went 3-0. and Stockton Again, is horrible. They're so bad. I, they they are just a terrible team, the Oakland A's affiliate. Uh, but I want to play over and under again. They have the Grizzlies have played the Stockton Ports 23 times this year. Over under amount of wins is set at 18.5. Uh under. Higher. Over. Whoa. The Grizzlies have beat the Portland Port Scotland Stockton Ports 20 times out of 23 contests. I absolutely dominant no it's just having no fun uh, when you hit dongs when you're yankel and juan and brito and you just hit dongs for days that's fun fair and you're the candy man candy uh jared candy uh yep jared, jared. candy is that how you say it it has to be i mean in stephen rice's notes that he sent to our email it says the candy man Nice. Love like, it. and you know, Rice loves his puns. Yes. But he was dominant. Eighth start out of 12 that, um, don't know where he's going, but the 17th rounder is there. Case Williams, friend of the pod, had a nice little outing. There's a huge blunder by the center fielder that dropped the ball and allowed two more runs to come in. But mm -hmm. his line wasn't as good as it could have been. But that, but I, did you see the jerseys in play? I did, and those things were sick. Absolutely sick. Like, I want the Rockies to play. That's how great they are. If, you, if you're living under rock, the Fresno Grizzlies turned into the Fresno Tacos this past weekend, and they looked fantastic. They're the sleeveless, black, purple jerseys. Um, that friend of the pod, family of the pod, Julian, showed off a few at the beginning of the season, but it looks great better on Juan Brito than it does Julian. No offense, Julian, but it just, it, they are sexy jerseys. Yeah. Yeah. Um, down in Fresno, I mean, the, the, the best thing is Benny Montgomery's back and he's just hitting, he's raking. Yeah, he really is. Um, he looks nice. Uh, last game, two for four, double two RBIs walk. Um, his average is, is right around 300. Um, so it looks like he's coming into form. He should definitely be up next year. I don't think he'll, I don't think he'll go this year because he's lost some time to injury. Yeah. I think the injury is going to hold his call up his promotion a little bit, but yeah, yeah I love seeing that. Definitely. When the number one pick hits like that, there's just good baseball and Fresno. Yeah. Too. Yeah. So I, I think Veen's going to start in Hartford next year. Um, Benny will will then move up to Spillcan. Why not just put Benny right in in Hartford? Put Benny and Veen in the same outfield for a little bit because we know that's the future. Just do it. I I definitely think so. I mean, yes, you're correct. The only thing I'm concerned about is Benny's 18. Yeah, Zach Veen's I mean, barely 20. Yeah. I don't know. I'm getting old and I, I have a child now. So like, I'm like all like responsibility and stuff. Like you got to make the right choices. So like, I'm not just, I'm not just saying Benny's got to perform on the field, but he's also got to be smart off the field. 
I'm not saying that he's not. There's no indication that, but you know what I'm saying? You got to grow up a little bit. This is yeah. His, what first four months away from mommy and dad, mom and dad. I guess he he was probably away from them first full year, I guess, because he got drafted. And you got to grow up a little bit. You got to figure it out. The responsibility along with playing baseball and all that probably looks a little bit different for a Benny Montgomery than it does a Braden Ward, right? Maybe that's yeah. what you're getting to. Yeah, you got to make sure he's um, he's good for the clubhouse. Good for the clubhouse and doing more just as a person as well as a player. Correct. Okay. I always forget about that. I always forget about that that side of it outside of the ball field, the outside of the five hours there at the field, like that maturity also has to come into play. Yeah. But we've also seen guys that are complete a-holes and they make it just fine. So. Right. And like Ezekiel Tavar, he was pushed up to Hartford and he's 20 and he's doing pretty decent with all, all that stuff. It's every, you gotta every... imagine that's just because of the position that he plays. Right. What do you mean? That he was uh, called up there. Yeah, that he's kind of moving along a little bit faster. Well, maybe. Because, I mean, we got outfielders for days. But shortstops, not so much. Yeah, I mean, if you look at his numbers in Spokane, like, it didn't say he was ready for the next step, but they pushed him. So maybe, maybe it was kind of like, all right, let's just put him up there and see what happens. Mm-hmm. Like, he, he's, he was a middle-of-the-road prospect at the beginning of the year wasn't not the top 100 he wasn't really around there and then here he is just breaking doors down yeah he'd be onto something there he took off yeah tovar season hashtag tovar season all right let's end it with this and then we're gonna have tyler come on and him and i are going to talk about the draft day three draft and a few of the signings that are happening and we'll give you probably a little bit better just material with tyler because james isn't as good as tyler but that's not James's fault. That's just Tyler being a goddamn G. Anything else with the good of the cost? Nope. All right. Stay tuned. We are going to bring on Tyler next. Go Rocks, minor league affiliates. Woo! Welcome to the road to Blake Street. Banter. Tyler, say hi. Hey. I am Aaron, and we are here to talk day three drafts. Last pod we did, um, Nick joined us. We had two experts on. We talked everything day one and day two. So if you still haven't listened, you still got that itch, go ahead and go back and listen to that. It's still still in play, still works. A lot of good breakdowns by the two experts that we have on, on staff here. <laughs> staff. <laughs> lightly, <laughs> lightly used there. But our our experts that we have that do a fantastic job as a hobby and get into the deep and greedy of it and different perspectives. So feel free to go look at it. Um, Tyler also had that write-up fantastic write-up of all what 21 21 players i guess with the undrafted it's now 23 23 there's 22 rounds yeah we have the two conversations there we go so yeah that was a fun little read that you did broke down like every little player um it was cool that was was a good one i like that yeah not to you know to my own horn and same with nick but i think just what we bring to the table I don't know if anyone's matching that with, you know, the Rockies community specifically, not to knock everybody else, but (laughs) I think we, I have, I have access to a resource that's really, I'm privileged to have it helps me look at all these D1 stats, oh, just college stats in general and going through the draft live and being able to like pull up every player's profile and be like, wow, like that was one of the coolest experiences for me this year. Uh, I was happy to share that with everyone who followed along on Twitter. Um, yeah, I think we I think we nailed this. I think this is the place to be for your draft coverage. Yeah, you did a fantastic job. And having that extra resource about was fun, especially the way you geek out about this. So having that extra <laughs> thing to geek out along with was probably really cool. Um, all right, let's let's dive into day three. So again, day one, day two, knocked it out of the park. Like a lot of a lot of high remarks from all the experts around. Day three was a little lackluster. I I'm looking at this list again, probably probably the second or third time now. And they out of one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, out of the 10 draft picks on day three, nine of them were pitchers, uh, which I thought was very interesting. I mean, they kind of had the most best upside. And when you look at the Rockies organization, pitching is a need. It's 
We need it everywhere. Every team needs it. I mean, look at the Angels going going 24 out of 24 last year in pitchers or whatever it was. So I thought that was interesting. Um, So let's just go through it. I think this would be round 11 is where day three started, right? Yeah. Yeah. Carson Skipper, the left-hander out of Auburn. I I think – these picks all were pretty secure in a way, like all these guys, the pitchers at least bring a nice workable tool to the table, which not very exciting picks, but there is a security blanket with all of them. They all should play at least, you know, a couple of years of respectable ball, but Carson Skipper is one probably should have gone at the back of day too, because coming from the sec, that's, you know, kind of a kicker. He's faced some really good hitters. Um, but he's got a he's got great secondary stuff and he doesn't really walk guys. So the hope is if his his fastball velocity is below average, if he can get a little bit up there, maybe he's a starter. I mean, it'd be cool to get some a guy who starts on, on day three. If not, though, I mean, Skipper looks like he's going to be skipping through, you know, the lower levels of the minors as a reliever if that's where the Rockies go with him. Yeah, and he's coming in. 6'2 to 11, older, a senior, senior class, stopper of the year watch list in 2021. So he has this pedigree about him. Looks like a dog, too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you, you have that extra edge there. It's going to be interesting. And a left-handed pitcher, only, only two on day three left-handed pitchers, but I know there's a few more in day one. Um, let's move on to the next one. Caleb Franzen out of University of Portland up in the Northwest. The Rockies picked up a lot yeah, of Northwest kids, of uh, which I thought was interesting because it was a rainy season. Like there was like not a lot of time to get out there and watch these guys. That was kind of a thing on, um, oh no, Jackson Cox. Yeah. He was hard to see. I was listening to a pod and he was hard to go out and watch and play because it was like rained out or it was postponed or whatever. So I thought that was interesting, just completely non-relevant information there but Caleb Franzen left-hander out of Portland what do you got it's almost identical to to Carson Skipper you know guy with really good secondary stuff pretty good command it just comes down to him sitting low 90s which I think in the pros isn't going to slide as much you've got to be able to at least sit in the low like these are guys who are who are sitting you know 89 91 rather than you know low 90s to me is really like 91 93 They've got to tick up a little bit. If they do, they're going to be really solid relievers. These are guys who have at least two solid pitches and can throw them for strikes. So you're not finding that a lot on day three. A lot of guys on day three, it's one, maybe two pitches. If they have the two pitches, chances are the command is off. So top of the draft, they get two lefties, pitchable lefties, guys who can throw strikes and have good stuff. So I like the way they started the top of the draft. Those are probably my two favorite picks of the day. Just getting the lefties with the good stuff. You know, it. we need those those southpaws. Yeah, super important to get there. And we've kind of seen the Rockies develop Lucas Gilbreth into this machine right now who's having a fantastic sophomore year, I guess you kind of call it. Um, second season up in the big leagues, and he's doing really cool things. So this is interesting. I, I want to ask you this. I'm looking at um, Franzen's stats up in the University of Portland. So his 2021 and 2022 seasons are almost identical. 18 appearances, 4.8 ERA, 4.85 ERA, almost 60 innings each, 61 hits in one year, 60 hits in the next, 35 runs in one year, 34 runs in the next. Um, just absolutely incredible. Like even batter's face average, 264 compared to 262. But <laughs> I'm thinking of who this guy is in – the league that he played, I mean, University of Portland is not a powerhouse. They're not playing all these SEC teams. And this dude's posting a 4-8 ERA with a 260 batting average. Not a lot to stat line look <laughs> look at and get excited about. So what is what do you, as the expert here, what do you see the Rockies drafting a guy like this? And what's the benefit in that? Yeah, and I, I want to say first to preface some of these other guys coming up. A lot, like a lot of these day three picks, if you scout line or stat line scout them, you're going to see some ugly stuff. Um, right. Like Brady Hill out of San Jose State had like a, almost a seven ERA, you know, similar walk and, and strikeout totals. It, Javier Ramos, Carlos Torres, uh, these later, these really late round guys, um, 
even to an extent, Carson Skipper, his his numbers weren't great. You know, no one on day three, their numbers were really all that good. In the case of Franzen specifically, I think he started a lot of games, which means you've got to throw the fastball a bit. And that fastball really is his his weakness. So I think that's why if he doesn't gain some velocity, he's got to go to the pen. He's got to be primary changeup slider. Uh, you know, maybe throw the fastball like 30% of the time, but that was his majority pitch last season. And that thing is getting tanked. Um, so I, I think with a lot of these guys, it, it comes with, you know, changing their pitch usage. That's that's mm-hmm. really what it comes down to. We'll, we'll get into all these guys. I think all of them have some kind of pitch that needs to be used more in pro ball. And if you're a reliever, you can get by using one pitch 80% of the time, you know, for the most part, maybe not, you don't want to quite be that high with one pitch, but I think what it comes down to is in college, they're trying to diversify what guys are throwing. They don't want to be predictable, especially if you're starting, but you got to just stick to your guns and what's good. And, um, you know, in college, again, a lot of these guys are having to diversify and it's gets them hit. (laughs) Right. they're they're learning just as much as that anybody else would be so that's a that's a good point and the conversation we had last night with uh in that banter session we talked about that dude evolving as a professional and so like you see these works happening behind the scenes that we don't necessarily see so like you think if a Caleb Franz in his arsenal it's going to change it's going to get better it's going to develop in some way or the other so just definitely something to keep an eye on like <laughs> I could just see some <laughs> some coach sideline couch coach dude whatever that phrase is looking at friends and stats a 480 out of the northwest league or whatever that is no way why are we drafting this bullshit just (laughs) get off get off your couch dog you're all right um blake adams k-state um officially signed within like last day or two it looks like um signed for 125,000. uh what do we get out of blake adams i think the interesting thing with him started quite a bit in the big 12 big 12 is one of the better conferences to be in as a baseball player he has four pitches i don't know if he's going to want to use all four of them the same way in the pros um but he's got three solid secondary pitches his fastball's up to 95 it it like friends and like a lot of these guys who you know don't have great fastballs it got hit a lot and that's sort of where you go into the pros probably want to lower your fastball usage a little bit but again it's four pitches he has decent command uh it's nothing flashy but it's a guy who might be able to eat innings as a starter versus a lot of these guys are going to be coming out of the pen so you get a guy i think this is round 13 you get someone who might start some games for you you need those those durable workhorse type of guys in the minor leagues so you get Blake Adams there. Maybe he's, he starts in the pen. I, I, I don't really know this stuff, but I'm guessing he's going to get a chance to start because of, you know, the competition he faced and the four pitches that he can he can throw. So I like that they got a guy profiles as a starter. Braxton Hyde, uh, the only lone community college draftee. I thought this was an interesting because I was doing research real quick before us. On his Twitter, it says that he was committed to Oral Roberts in November of 21 but he didn't attend i don't we don't know why i don't know why but i thought that was interesting but braxton hyde the cc out of liberal kansas uh six three one eighty big dude what do you got yeah um i think there's some projection here like the other guys that we've talked about so far the fastball is not great it, he's he's another one sitting you know 90 93 but he's only 195 pounds at 6'3". I think he could he could use to add some mass, get a little stronger, throw a little harder, because uh, I think the changeup could be really solid. I think the slider, same deal. And people need to look at the, the junior colleges and the Division II guys sort of in similar light as the D1 guys when you're especially in, in these rounds. I, a lot of the top community college, ju- junior colleges and Division II schools – they would beat up on the the bottom half, not not necessarily the bottom half, but the bottom tier of D1 schools. They mm-hmm. would lose the division, top Division two and junior college teams. There's a lot of talent diversification in, in college baseball. A lot of guys end up at junior colleges who are better than, you know, a lot of D1 guys. And is Braxton Hyde that guy? You know, it's hard to say. It is hard to say these things um, without, you know, having a real deep understanding of who these guys are, but Two really solid pitches is what I'm seeing. 
um, and and the chance to throw a little bit harder as he develops. So why not take a shot on him? Right. And, and at this late rounds, why not take a shot? It's going to be less money. It doesn't hurt it very much. Throw them into the fold. If they go to the top, they go to the top. If they don't, it's okay. Uh, Braxton Hyde. Yeah, just thought that was the only CC guy. Yeah. And I think Nick was very adamant about that last time we talked or a few times that Rockies just don't sign Juco guys, community college guys. So the fact they actually signed one, maybe they must have seen something there. Um, Brady Hill, two-way player out of right um, San Jose State, at least according to his profile on the website there. He was drafted as a right-hand pitcher. I'm sure that's what they're going to use for it. But were you able to actually – were you ever able to watch Brady Hill? Like I'm assuming New Mexico plays San Jose State. Yeah, this was a, a fun pick for me because I actually had to do a scouting report on him, watched him pitch a couple times against UNM. And, I, yeah, I was excited because I remember doing – having a meeting with, with a couple of the coaches at UNM were doing the scouting, and I'm like, wait – this guy is home to first at, in four seconds, which that's like 60, 70 grade speed. And then it's like, but wait, he also touches 97 on the mound. Which is like this, this is a unicorn type of guy. And the kicker is this was his first year actually pitching in college. This was his third year in college playing college baseball. First year pitching. Dude's already hitting 97. He's a pretty slight frame at six foot 180. You know, for him to hit 100 in the future, like regularly in game, I think that's very much a possibility. And another one, you scout the stat line, you're going to be like, this guy sucks. <laughs> the numbers, they were not good. But San Jose State as a whole, look at their team pitching numbers. That was probably the worst pitching staff like I've ever seen. Um, and it was a team, from a team standpoint, there was just something was wrong. Everyone was walking, you know, a guy per inning, basically. So rough things going on in San Jose. I don't know. I don't know what the coaching situation is right now, but the fastball could be really, really good. I think that's what you're getting, an athletic guy. Um, doesn't really have a second pitch at the moment. But, again, first year pitching in an organized baseball, like, there's a lot of potential there. And that's something we'll, we saw with, you know, Brad Cumbus. Going from being a two-sport guy to a one-sport guy, there's a chance to take off with that. And so same thing with Brady Hill, uh, new as a pitcher. I like that. And, I mean, friend of the pod, family of the pod, our favorite doing Darnell, like he figuring out how to pitch. He throws hard, had that never just got, got on the mound through hard. And here he is. He's already in double A in a second full season doing okay up there. Still finding struggles as expected, but he's got that stuff. He's been working on his secondary pitches. You can see it evolve as the season's gone on. So seeing that with a guy like uh Brady Hill is something to be excited about because the Rockies are doing stuff with that. So why not? Um, a few more here. Austin Becker, right-hand pitcher out of Texas Tech. Um, saw he was a, a transfer from Vanderbilt in 2020. Yeah. So he had that Vandy pedigree a little bit, um, which is – I just always assume Vandy. It's like the gold medal, the gold stars, <laughs> the gold trophy on the shelf. Like, oh, you're committed to Vandy? Okay, so you're, you're a little bit better than everybody else, whether you projected to be or not. But Texas Tech product, in the end, Austin Becker. Yeah, I think there was a reason he was recruited to Vanderbilt. And he's six five, throws in the mid nineties, has a good feel for spin. The issue has been, and I don't know his story too well. I've tried to look into it a little bit. I know he's had some pretty serious injuries in his college career. Uh, I think that contributes to him having some inconsistency commanding the, the baseball. You know, if you're not out there for two years straight with no, you know, road bumps, setbacks. Maybe you'd develop a little bit more, you know, stable command. But for him, he's had some injuries, hasn't been able to, you know, establish himself consistently. But the arm talent, you know, we're talking about a guy. If he never had the injuries, he's probably going three, four, five rounds sooner in the draft. Maybe he's a, day, a mid day two guy. Uh, so it's a mid 90s fastball. Change up is solid. He can throw a good breaking ball. And the body is, is ideal for a pitcher. So I think this is really good. This is a great dart throw a lottery pick kind of, kind of talent. Yeah. And he comes from a uh, baseball pedigree. It looks like his father, Kevin Becker played for the Red Sox in the early nineties. So you have that a little bit and he was drafted by the Rangers in 2018 in the 37th round. And, and this was the draft of pedigree. You know, look at the top yeah. of the draft. We're, we're starting to realize like, I guess that stuff matters like a ton. So, you know, Austin Becker might have, 
the edge here, obviously he has the physical ability to get it done. So, yeah, it's just, it helps you with that mindset. Like you're, you have somebody to go talk to and rely on about what it is to be a major leaguer. And I think that gets lost sometimes in players. Again, we talked a little bit about that last night with our banter session, dude, like just being able to lean on somebody and figure it out. And you have that. And that just gives you an extra edge. I like that. All right. Last one we'll talk about from day three and then we'll close it out with the last ones here, but um, we'll mention them. Tyler Hoffman, right-hand pitcher out of two lane. Another one scout the stat line. You're going to be like, this guy is not good. Uh, but the kicker, is he played in the MLB draft league, which is something some people are still kind of figuring out exists. Like they started a new league this year where a lot of draft prospects went and played. It was like another summer league and a lot of guys boosted their stock like crazy. And I think Tyler Hoffman is one of the top candidates for, you know, that case probably wouldn't have gotten drafted if it wasn't for the MLB draft league, because he showed an upper nineties fastball, upper eighties slider, and the changeup he's used pretty effectively in, in limited time. Uh, it's come down to the command. Can he throw strikes consistently? He was a bit more consistent in the summer, uh, the draft league, the summer draft league. So if he keeps that, the ball rolling there, like there is great reliever stuff here. What is this, the 16th round we're in now? Yeah, like 17th, yeah. Anything, 17th, okay. Anything you're getting out of these rounds is a plus. So there are, again, workable tools. I mentioned this at the top. All these guys have something to work with. For Hoffman, it is velocity on both pitches, the fastball and the slider. Both could be really good. Looking at his stat line, so Baseball Reference has the State College MLB Draft League on their website, which I thought was cool. But uh, So he pitched in seven games, um, eight innings. 2.25 ERA struck out 10 batters in those eight innings. So really honed it in on those small sample size, but he finished five of those seven games. So he was in, in high intensity, spots, yeah. which means a lot. Like you're putting trust into that. Like as I think it was, he was a starter though also and and Tulane for a little bit. Yeah. So yeah, don't look at his Tulane stats, y'all. Don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, to your point, like you're developing kind of like a less extreme Cade Horton type of deal. Cade Horton really put his name on the map like, yo, I'm a first-round draft pick at his CWS stuff. Like he was put on a stage, he was seen, and he boosted his draft stock like five rounds, it seemed like. So a little bit of that feel, very small, but that feel with Tyler Hoffman here. A bit, Yeah. Is he related at all to the other Hoffman that we know? Um, are we, are you talking about Jeff? Yeah. Or Trevor. I think I think we're gonna roll with that he's related to Trevor. He has this pedigree of Trevor <laughs> Hoffman. Um, he's gonna be the next Trevor Hoffman. We'll we'll go with that one. Hopefully, uh, he fares a little better than Jeff. Although Jeff's Jeff's doing like a decent job at this point. He's sticking in the big leagues. We'll yeah. yeah. But we want Trevor Hoffman. <laughs> God, could you imagine? The next incarnation of Trevor Hoffman to be sweet. <laughs> um, day three ended with a few more picks. Javier Romes, uh, Ramos out of Oklahoma, right-hand pitcher. Skyler Messenger, uh, third baseman from Texas. And Carlos Torres, a right-hand pitcher from Lehigh. Fun little facts about Messenger. He is some, from somewhere in Colorado. Um, maybe we can get Mike on that real quick. I think and, Boulder, like the Boulder area. Boulder so, area. Okay. Not far from, from Coors Field. So, and friend of the pod, a uh, very original friend of the pod. Um, crap, I'm blanking on his name right now. Oh, what is it? Ma Mike Replinger. Not Mike. Oh, Replinger. Matthew Replinger. Matthew Replinger, um, noted baseball guy around the Denver area. He was big on Skyler Messenger. I think he has some kind of connection where with him. So, I thought that was pretty cool. And then Carlos Torres, he was the only... Puerto Rican D1 dude that was actually drafted. And so I thought that was pretty cool. You don't see a lot of Puerto Ricans going to college and then let alone getting drafted as even more yeah. of an anomaly. So that's cool. Carlos Torres, very last pick of the draft for the Rockies out of high. And then the undrafted free agent, Parker Kelly, third baseman out of Texas Tech. Um, those were always cool. Luke Taggart, Duke Darnell, those undrafted free agents guys that we love. So Parker Kelly is just kind of popping into that. Anything you want to add about day three? 
I mean, I just to give Ramos and Torres a little love, just want to say they're both six six, both throw with a lot of velocity. So, you know, the Rockies took some chances. You never know what's gonna happen with guys with big arms. Yeah, just big dudes. It's like, <laughs> did you ever play NCAA football? You might be too young. A bit. Yeah, I did a bit. Okay. Always recruiting the athletes and then you put them in wide receiver or quarterback. I That was always the idea for me. So drafting these big guys, the Rockies, these six, six guys, it was pitchers like, all right, we got this athlete. Now we have this mold. What kind, what kind of statue can we create? It's the feeling I'm getting here. It's the vibe. All right, signees. We're going to talk about signees real quick and then the international drafts uh, possibility. I don't know, probably not, but we're going to dive into that and then we're going to call it a day. So, so far up to one o'clock on Tuesday, Eastern time, there have been five signees. Three or four have been announced, two or three are from IG. So just take that for what it's worth. Stein, $500,000. That slot allotted to him was 390. Prosecki, 300,000, the 296 slot. And then Agnos, Zach Agnos, 165 signing bonus um, with 150K slot. So most, every single one of those guys went above slot. Um, And then two other guys, Cumbest, Brad Cumbest, officially a Rocky on his IG, and Tyler Hoffman also on his IG. I have stated that they have been signed by the Rockies. We don't have those numbers on those guys, but we do about those other three. What do you, how do you take that going over slot? How much weight do we put into that? Are we worried? Are we just stoked that they're signing people? What's the, what's the vibe here? I think fortunately none of them are like big, big over slot. And I, I know last podcast we called him Connor Stein. Connor Stein. I wanted it to be Stein because Stein is a little, not, not as nice to say, but uh, <laughs> I guess it is Connor Stein. It is Stein. Okay. Yeah. He went 110,000 over slot, which is pretty significant. That's like, you know, what all these day three guys are trying to get. So he goes a bit over slot. I think that just shows he was a a good value in the fifth round. Um, Also something interesting. It it looks like they're kind of just taking the the savings they got at the top of the draft with Gabriel Hughes, maybe some of the other picks too. And they're trickling it down. Um, You know, getting a guy like Connor Stain. You're, you're basically adding another, you know, late third, early fourth round pick with him. You know, that kind of stuff is, is how drafts can really turn out well. You know, you want to maximize the picks that you're making rather than just going, you know, slot, 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 slot. Like Gabriel Hughes, yeah, maybe he shouldn't have gone 10th overall, but you are very confident he's going to become a big leaguer. And then you're able to take some of that money and increase your chances of getting more big leaguers later on. So I, I really like seeing that, that Connor Stain signed over slot. It shows, again, the Rockies got themselves a good value. Right. I like that. So five five new people. Do they sign the rest of them? Because um, I think the final day to sign everybody is on Sunday. Might be completely off on that, but I wanna, I'm want pretty sure it's on Sunday. They probably sign all, the, all their picks, right? I, yeah, I think so. Maybe one of the day three guys is like, I want to try my luck again in college. You know, Braxton Hyde, we mentioned he has the Oral Roberts commitment. I I kind of doubt he he ends up going, but it's possible. Like last season, we, the Rockies uh, drafted Elijah Tress out of Arkansas in like the 17th round, and he didn't sign. Uh, ended up not being a great decision for him. So I think all these guys probably will sign, but maybe one does not. We, you're muted again. Three, two, one. I remember last year the when they kind of announced the signings was when we saw pictures of, on Jaden Hill and Joe Rocks and a few other guys' Instagram stories that they were at the Rockies and like stadium. So I wonder if they're doing that with these first day guys, these round four guys, uh, bringing them all in to Denver, showing them the ropes, showing them good time, then getting them to sign then. Because I'm almost positive the timeline worked out like all right they're at a Rockies game like the day after they signed so I think the Rockies like to take care of the guys in that sense um I've heard it from a few people we've heard it from a few people in the banter sessions so I wonder if that's a thing just because yeah. we don't we're not seeing a lot of those first four guys going I mean the Rockies are back at home now mm-hmm. so you would think that this week things happen I'm not sure. Well, like, let me let me just quickly consult the schedule real quick uh, as to how long the Rockies are going to be in town. 
Yeah, um, it is August 1st. Like Mike did get back to me. August 1st okay. is the deadline to sign the guys. So they have this. And the Rockies are in town for the next six games until July 31st. So right on that deadline, yep. they'll be at home. So go on Instagram, follow some of these, <laughs> these high draft picks, you know, Gabriel Hughes, Jordan Beck, Sterling Thompson. Follow those guys. When you see them at course field this week, you'll know that they're signing and we'll be able to like put the true, this pod is sort of like a ribbon on the draft for us at least. But when we see those guys sign, it'll be like the true ribbon on the draft will be like, it's done. A yeah. whole year of scouting in the books. It's done. <laughs> Such a weird thing to think about too. Like I'm going to work all year for this moment. And then it, it feels like it's gone so fast. Yeah. Like you worked your ass off last week and now I was like, all right, cool. Nice job. Thank you. <laughs> Get ready <laughs> for next year. I guess. Hope, now you just got to hope that some of the guys like play to the expectation that has been set, like by some of the, the things I noticed, um, you just got to hope that happens now. Otherwise it's like some of these guys even were, were have been scouted since high school in their college draft picks. So yeah. it's sort of like scouting for three plus years for one or I guess it's three days, but really like, you know, one moment. Um, yeah, that would, that would cause some, some internal turmoil for me. Yeah. If, if I was doing something official instead of just sitting on Twitter. <laughs> yeah. Like I always think of Ken, uh, Keith Law, Ken Rosenthal, Callis, like the draft dudes. And then it's just gone as well. All right. Um, speaking of drafts, our final topic here today is the international draft. What? So I guess I'm going to just read this from MLB trade report, trade rumors.com. You'll have a little bit more insight than I do, but I guess July 25th is the deadline for MLB and the ML, uh, player association to come to an agreement on an international player draft. This would replace the current international signing system and end the qualifying offer system for big league free agents. Um, they've been negotiating last two days that have exchanged it, but it doesn't seem like it has been accepted. Yeah, I guess it actually got shot down. So we're going to have the qualifying offer still, no international draft. I mean, I guess these kinds of things can get picked up later on. Like now there's been some negotiation. There's more time for, you know, the owners to come up with a better plan. There's time for the player association to kind of come up with a plan in a way, I'm glad that like we didn't get just a straight up draft with it because yeah, these guys, you know, they're 16 year olds. They're already in a way being like taken advantage of, like exploited, so that they can you know play baseball and make these teams money. I think they deserve to have freedom to pick where they want to go. You know, ask for as much money as they want and not be restricted by a, a real formal system like we see with the mlb draft you know if a guy doesn't get drafted in the top five even though he wants to go like number one either he has to accept a ton less money or he can't you know he doesn't want to sign and so allowing guys to just hold their own you know expectations their own demands pick where they want to go i like that for the for these guys at least you know i, I there's been some some informal rumors at least of abolishing the mlb draft letting the guys just sign where they want to go. I think that's a little too hectic given that there's over 600 guys drafted every yeah, year. It would, it'd probably favor the big market teams a little too much. Um, so I think you keep the systems that are in place now, you know, MLB draft, keep it international draft. Don't add it. That's sort of, I think that's the line of thinking for, for the players association, let these guys that are currently free to do what they want, stay free to do what they want. And I, that's what I'm coming down to. I found the, the athletic article by Evan Drellick and Ken Rosenthal that kind of broke down what each, but the con, the offers going back and forth. It's kind of an interesting breakdown. Uh, I won't get into it because I'm reading it as I'm talking about it, but all in all, I don't think it's a good idea. Um, it's just another draft. So they wanted it to be 20 rounds. Um, wow. So 20 rounds, 30 teams of, just drafting international kids. So you're looking at, like you said, 16, 17, 18 year olds, just in a whole different, different country to bring to another country. Like having that kind of control does seem super scary. Then it just comes back down to the human element of this rather than the baseball part of it. Like give these guys a chance, give these guys an opportunity to build these relationships with these teams as they're growing up and figuring out what's best for them. 
as opposed to a draft to a whole new world and just turn in, I imagine that would turn their life upside down. Like not yeah. knowing where the fuck Philadelphia is and like you're being drafted by the Phillies to go like on a whim like that, as opposed to going to these complexes, working with these teams, getting seen by these guys, building those relationships with those international scouts to feel like a little bit more homey, a little bit more welcoming. I would imagine is what's happening. I would, I don't see why that wouldn't be happening. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. It's just another way for the owners to have a, a little more control over things. And, you know, I think that's everything that the lockout stood for was like, we need to like give a little power back to the players. Yeah. And let that, let that happen there. That's one place you can give it to. So we both thumbs down the international draft. It looks like it is already thumbs down and I just hope it doesn't come back up. Yeah. I think it's just a terrible idea. The one, the one, you know, downside to it is that we have to keep the qualifying offer system, which is another way for owners to lower the cost, like the value of players. Like if you throw a qualifying offer on someone and they deny it, that makes teams and free agency be like, well, we don't want to give this guy as much money now because there's draft penalties and, and compensation for the other team associated with it. So, you know, it sucks to see that still happening. I do like the, you know, draft compensation. <laughs> it's fun when the Rockies are able to have an extra pick because someone left, but you know, for the guys in question who denied the qualifying offer, like it's just, it, it hurts their value and that's just not fair. Yeah, exactly. Like I think of Dion, Dion George from last year, getting that huge signing bonus and generational money there and just him being drafted for minimal amount and not being making that connection. Cause he was, but he was like scouted by the Rockies for like three years and like building that communication yeah. with the Rockies and like, all right, I know where I'm going. I know who I'm going with. And yeah, $2.8 million bonus for George last year, which looking at the quick articles I read, like that money isn't going to be that big. Like it wouldn't be that yeah. the pool if is, if you have 20, 20 rounds would, would mean, yeah, everyone has to take a lot less than they would get on the open market. Um, I mean, I think it probably hurts some of the, like the, the little fish that, you know, they, they are able to sign for a fair amount and on the open market, maybe you wouldn't have as much available in the draft, but for these top for these top free agents, like you, you mentioned, like they wouldn't be able to fetch like, you know, two to $3 million anymore. They'd have to be settling for, for probably a bit less. Exactly. And right to the guys eat, like, let them, let them just rake in that money. So absolutely. Let them do it. I mean, to that point, we'll end it with this reading on the MLB trade rumors.com article. According to past reports, the union wanted slot prices acting only as a minimum, minimum expenditure for the assigned selection. So the union wanted that to be the small amount, the least amount they could pay or minimum amount where MLB wanted the hard slots that couldn't be exceeded by it for any pick. Ooh. So typical MLB, big, big guy on campus, no money, all that kind of stuff. Like this slot, this is as high as you can go where the player association was like, all right, this slot is the lowest we can go and go the up and good for the players association saying no to that. Like they're already greedy enough. We don't need to do that anymore. Yeah. And, and the draft affects a lot more people than the qualifying offers do. There's like exactly. 10 guys a year who get a qualifying offer on them. They're still going to make a ton of money. Yes, I would prefer that to not be in the system anymore. But again, it, it doesn't impact as much in the grand scheme of things. Yeah, you can be this big collaborate and you can still keep human interest in, in the front. And I think that's where this is. So no international draft hopefully doesn't happen. Day three kind of boring a lot of pictures but a lot of to watch as they go forward um and the signees be watching they're gonna be on this tv i guarantee it these first four guys first five guys are gonna be on the rockies telecast sometime this week and you heard it here first so look out for that anything else for the good of the cause all right Just enjoy some some home course baseball Yep, dive into that. Okay. <laughs> it's going to be a fucking ride. Go Rex! Drafties from day three. Woo! <laughs> Thank you for watching and listening. Please check out our link tree for more content. So, what's up with the Rockies bullpen? 
Well, when we last saw our hero, Luke and Darnell turned into a grizzly. Luke and Darnell turned into a grizzly last year. Theater, or that's for sports and theater. Break your legs. Yes. <laughs> 